Hosea chapter number 10, verse 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. Uh, Let's go ahead and read this verse again. Sow to yourselves in righteousness and reap in mercy. Here's the phrase, Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. Dear Father, as we come to you today, we thank you, Lord. Lord, for all of your blessings, Lord, from the service this morning, Sunday school, the the worship hour, Lord, you just allowed us, Lord, to just sit at your table for a little while and let your people bless your name and lift glad hosannas. Father, we're so thankful of that this evening. We thank you, Lord, for the good singing that we've heard tonight. We pray now that you'd help us as we try to preach. We pray that you would give us the words. Lord, we ask you that you'd pour your blessings upon us tonight. Challenge us, convict us. Father, we pray that you'd do a work in us. Lord, if need be, Lord, I pray that you'd chasten us. Lord, we are your people. And God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to try to preach on that that phrase, break up your fallow ground. Um, and, and, And we know that the gospel... And the great commissioned, commission rather, leads us in a specific direction. We know that the gospel makes salvation available to every single person. Now I gotta lay some groundwork before we get to the message. But in Romans chapter number 10, verse number 9, I'll not turn there, but you know those are those kind of the end of the Romans road. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved there in verse number 13. Uh, but we see here that this commission that Christ has given us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, we know that there in Matthew 28, He sends the believers with something. He sends us with the gospel to call or rather to give, to spread to every single man. The gospel preached or told will, as the book of Acts chapter number 17 says, will turn the world upside down. I was talking to someone just a couple days ago, and and I mentioned this phrase of turning the world upside down. And I thought how how marvelous it would have been and how scary it would have been to be living in the days of Acts chapter 17. Uh, when the church was in an uproar, everything was going wrong, they had been persecuted, but then to be accused of turning the world upside down. That been some icing on the cake, Brother Jody. These men, they're not just turning, they're not just stirring trouble. These men are literally changing the world in which we live. And I'd really like for that somewhere to be on the tombstone when I die, that he turned the world upside down. And I'll be honest with you, I'm convicted just saying that phrase alone because I've allowed so many opportunities to pass by and I, I'm bound and determined. I say that in myself and I truly mean that to God, but I'm bound and determined to not let these opportunities pass by to share the gospel. 
We need what that early church had there in the book of Acts. We need a revival that will restore that first love like that church at Ephesus had. We need a revival that will restore that passion for the lost. And uh, I was thinking while studying how many times within the last, and I said this a few weeks ago, but how many times in the last year have you heard during prayer requests, pray for my lost loved ones? I'll be honest with you, if if I heard it at all, I could number them on one hand, but we don't hear that a whole lot anymore. And in my 15, 16 years of pastoring, I remember early on, and I remember going to church when I just got saved, that there was there was an urgency to see sinners saved, to see brothers and sisters or moms and dads or sons and daughters get saved. And mamas and daddies, grandparents, and even, even siblings would say, remember my brother, he's lost and needs to be saved. Or, or remember my son, he's out of the will, whatever it may have been. But I wonder how many times that we've heard that phrase in our churches recently. We need a revival not only like they had in the early church, but we need a revival like they had in Hosea's day. The people here in chapter number 10 were instructed, and if you've never read the book of Hosea, I encourage you to get you a good hot cup of coffee and just read through the, the book of Hosea. It starts out off so, so odd by having the preacher marry a harlot. It's, it, it, the first couple chapters seem a little sweet, maybe. Uh, here was this man that his wife left him and went out back into her old ways, and God sent him back and restored her back to his own. And he said there in chapter number 2, around verse number 10, that I will betroth you unto myself. He said, you are mine. I'm not going to let you go. I will do whatever I can to keep you. And I'm going to go to the furthest lengths uh, to make you uh, stay on the right track and on and on and on. But once you get past all that, it gets a little harsh. And that's when the prophet Hosea now has learned a lesson by being told, go marry a woman of the harlots of the world and bring her into yourself. And we see that there was three children born. And I believe we can see that in, in kind of the language of the scripture there in chapter one and chapter two, that it's, it's possible that only one of those children were his. Now, don't quote me on that, but just the way that it speaks, it makes me wonder if Hosea was the father of all three of those children. But we do find that even those children had a change when mama come back home. There was something that changed. There was a revival that happened in Hosea's home that changed mama, that changed Hosea, I got to back up, that changed Hosea, that changed mama, and that changed the three little children in the house. Their names changed. They, they were one thing and now once we get to chapter 2, they they seemingly are different. Now they are God's people. If you remember, I'll just tell you what, just for kicks and giggles, let's go on back to chapter number 1. Uh, it says that the first one was named uh, Jezreel. And it means that God sows. And then in verse number 6, uh, she had Lo Ruhama, which is uh, not... Um, 
uh, not my God or not my people. And then lo and me, uh, it means not. That word lo, it means not. And it's my son. And so once we get over to chapter uh, number two, I believe it is, uh, in verse number one, he doesn't say, say unto your brethren, lo and me. It says, say to a me or my son uh, and to your sisters, Ruhama. Uh, it doesn't say lo, Ruhama or not my people. He begins to claim something Have Y'all better hear me tonight, something happened and Hosea now in chapter number 10 is dealing with the prophecy to Israel and to Judah and to the people of Ephraim and he is in need, the people are in need of a revival. Anymore, when we have revival meetings, it seems to be uh, to the church and and not to the sinners. But bless God, uh, back in the day uh, is when the sinners came in and the sinners got saved and they got right. And there was, we don't hear this word a whole lot either, rededication. When's the last time you heard somebody say, I rededicated my life to God? You don't hear that a whole lot anymore. But I can remember revivals in my youth uh, when there was 17 and 18 uh, young folks. Folks and grown folks get saved uh, by the grace of God in an old-fashioned revival. Uh, but anymore, it seems as though uh, it's just for our folks, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I believe that sometimes God's people need to be revived. But I tell you what, there's a lot of dead folks dying and going to a devil's hell out there. Uh, that They need to be brought into the house of God uh, so that they too cannot be revived, but can be quickened and truly spiritually made alive and and so we we see this need for revival in Hosea's day and he says in our text verse number 12 he says we need to break up our fallow ground so I could probably ask some of you what this fallow ground means but without defining it I just want us to see quickly number one what is fallow ground And we see that it is, or it was once productive, but now it lies in waste. I mentioned this the other day, this verse in chapter 4, verse number, let's just read verse number 16 and 17. It says, for Israel slideth back as a backsliding heifer. That's the only time you'll see the word backsliding in your King James Bible. And it gives that picture of a, of a cow that is trying to go up the hill that's so muddy and so dank with their own uh, manure that it can't get a grip. It, it's trying. It's putting one foot in front of the other, but it can't get any traction, and it continually slides back down the hill. <clears throat> and if you've ever been saved and out of the will of God, you understand what I'm talking about. You know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to put one foot in the other in, fr- in front of the other and get back to God, but it seems like everything's going against you, and, and you're like a backsliding head. Effort, he says. But he says, Israel is like this. <clears throat> turn back over there. Now the Lord will feed them as a lamb in a large place. Now listen. We, we could say something about that lamb. We could say something about that large place. But I want us to look at verse number 17. Ephraim is joined to idols. Here's this sad phrase. Let him alone. Now, you could say this is talking about Ephraim himself, but I believe that it's talking about a whole people, and God said, they've joined themselves to idols, let them alone. Israel is joined to idols. She's like a backsliding heifer. Just let her alone. 
Judas, the, 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 the book of, of Hosea speaks about the, the kingdom of Judah, how that they too have joined themselves to idols in as many words, and they, and God is, is taking His hands off of them so that they can, so that judgment can be found in them, but so that they will eventually come back to Him. And we need a revival like Hosea, and in order to do that, we're gonna have to break up our fallow ground. It was once productive, but now it lies in waste. It once produced great harvests. Now it grows with weeds and thorns, and there's a wilderness in its place. Hosea could identify with the need to break up the fallow ground. Uh, he remembered Israel's past. I remember talking just a few, I guess it's probably a year or so ago, 2020 and 2021. I tell you, it seems like it's been five and a half, seven years long or so, and it messes me up. What was a week ago was actually about seven months ago, and I can't remember what it was. But I was talking to one of you, I believe it was Brother John uh, back there, and he's talking about the great Revival back in, was it 1988, I believe it was, and how many people got saved and how great God was moving. And I'm telling you what, Brother John, I'm glad we've got those memories that we can go back to in 1988 and we can remember the preachers and we can remember those that were here and those that were saved. But I don't know if you've noticed this, but you look around in this little flock this evening and a lot of those people that was here in 1988 are no longer here. They're no longer in the house God. But I want you to know today, the same God that blessed in 1988 is the same God in 2021, soon to be 2022, still wants to give revival to his people. And Hosea, he remembered Israel crossing the Red Sea. Hosea remembered, whether it was passed down or not, he remembered the stories about the manna coming down from heaven. He remembered the story of Moses hitting the rock and water flowed and the people of God were filled with the water. Now the nation's condition has prompted Hosea to preach a a message of judgment. Now you and I can identify too with this need uh, to break up our fallow ground. We can remember the glory days of our churches. Brother David, I don't know if you remember back here just a few, <laughs> again it might have been last year sometime, but I feel like it was a few weeks ago, we were talking about your daddy and how that when he started or maybe it was down in Moultrie, he had bus routes and he went, I mean he was just going 90 to nothing, trying his best uh, to get people into the house of God. And I'll tell you, we can remember those things we, were, we remember those revivals. We remember the camp meetings from long ago uh, when we were at the dinner, the lunch tape, the, whatever y'all call lunchtime meal. We were at that at 1800 a few weeks ago uh, with Brother uh, Reese Keith's uh, folks uh, during his jubilee. And one of the young men sitting to my right, he said he was listening to a message just the other day. I believe it was Brother Buster Seaton uh, that was preaching and he got to testify where he was preaching, but he got to tell it about the story when he got here and we were in the middle of camp meeting and, and I think that was the night he lost his key, he maybe lost a jacket and uh, he was just drunker than Cooter Brown uh, in the Holy Ghost and the uh, other brother sitting next to me, he just got to rejoicing because of uh, things like that that we don't see often can still happen today, man. Kind of jokingly, I told my daddy, I said, daddy, next time you're at church, don't you ever, ever, never start singing on the front row. 
I'm telling you what, I couldn't even say nothing. He got to singing, and I don't know that I've ever heard my daddy sing in church, but it did something to my gizzard this morning, just sure enough messed me up. And it got around who Mamma sang next, and I think uh, uh, Samantha sang, and I was blessed. But Hannah, I'm telling you, when you got to singing, I don't know where that came from, but I told you this morning, if it hadn't been for this chair, I'd been out the back door. I'm telling God is so good. And we think back on those times in our yesterdays, and we wonder, will God, I'm, will God ever do it again? Can I tell you that He wants to do it again? But we're going to have to break up some fallow ground. Where, that that, that, that uh, harvest that you used to see in your fields physically, you used to see in your fields oh, when you had time to go out there and till them, you had time to go out there and make sure they were fertilized, you had time to know that they were irrigated, and now it seems like nothing ever grows. It seems like nothing ever produces anything. Hey, God's calling us back to a time oh, where we forget about the busyness of this world and get back into things Oh, that will truly make a difference. Get back into God's Word. Get back into God's house and do something for Him and see a harvest one more time. We think about the youth meetings, the bus routes, visitation, soul winning. Young folks, young men surrendering to preach. Young ladies surrendering, surrendering their lives to God. Not really knowing what in the world God wants. Just saying, yes sir, I'll do it, whatever you... Hey, that was, that was yesterday. But God still wants to do it today, man. Number two, what does fallow ground produce? It produces thorns and thistles. Matthew 13. Talking about this, this is this parable of the sower. He said, some of that seed, verse number 7, fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. Same chapter, verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. The cares of this life will, I believe it wants to choke out the Word of God. Did you hear what I said? The cares of this world. Could it be one reason why God told Paul Paul in Philippians, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. You're about to lose your job Cast it on the Lord. About to lose your house? Cast it on the Lord. Your wife left you? Cast it on the Lord. You say, oh, that's easy. That's easy to say. It's a whole lot harder to go through. I have to agree with you. It's easy to say, just cast your burden on the Lord. And then you get placed underneath that burden. And it's hard to say, God, here it is. I'm not going to worry about it. But see, that's that's a good thing about God. If we'll offer to give it to Him, He will take it from us. We may still be under the burden and the heartache and the shame and the just just absolute being tore up about it, Brother Jody. But God is still working behind the scenes, Amen. And I tell you what's the truth: when we, if we truly want to break up this fallow ground, we got to remember how that there is something about the fallow ground, and it will produce something. 
It will produce the cares of this life. It will produce deceitfulness. It will produce idolatry. We'll begin to change fields if we're not careful. We'll begin to say, well, this field didn't do anything. I'll go and try this over here. Honey, you better watch your mouth because you start changing fields on the Lord and He's liable to judge you in a way you never thought possible. I want you to know this evening, uh, instead of changing fields and trying to change tracks and trying to change ways to, to please yourself and to please others, to please the church, to please religion, to please the preacher. I say let's please God and just break up the fallow ground. If you don't like what it's producing, break it up and till it up and get the the ground ready to produce something for God. It produces thorns and thistles. It produces a root of bitterness. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 through 15. Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down, oh my, and feeble knees. I don't want to bore y'all with stories about my daddy. <clears throat> but it wasn't. It wasn't but a few months ago he never could have stood in church the way he stood this morning. He couldn't have sat in church. He's hurting tonight. He's feeling it tonight. When I walked down from the stage this morning, I said, Brother David, you go ahead, take it. Everybody stand, get your song book. I figured my daddy would just sit down and just sing sitting down. And he stood up. A little while later, kind of looked over there, gave him a side eye, and he had his hands raised. Special singing. I got to looking. My daddy was standing up. Praising God, Brother David, when y'all were singing. You know what he did? He lifted up those hands which hung down and those feeble knees. He said, I I I can't sit here much longer. I got to get up. It's easy to walk through life just mully grubbing all the time. It's easy to do that. It's, it's, it's horrible to do that, but it's easy to do that. It's easy to say, well, it's raining. I'll just stay in the house. It's easy to say the thunder's rolling, the lightning's crashing. Everything seems to be falling in on me. I'll just stay in the house. I won't go anywhere. I won't do anything. I'm talking about spiritually now. I, I'm just going, it's just me. I know I'm saved. I'm just going to stay right here. I'm going to do what? I'm going to, and just let the world go by. Or you can say, you know what, it's raining. Ashlyn, where are you at, baby? You remember probably the first year we lived down here and it had been dry. You remember it rained and I called you and we went outside and in the rain and just played in the rain. I'm going to chase. Well, Jim, have you ever been so dry? Just so dry. I know you're out there working all the time. and I mean... It's just a mess. It's dry. You can't do anything that you really want to do because it's so dry. But then all of a sudden, there's a gentle rain that comes through. kind of cools it off. You see, every once in a while, that's what God wants to do. It's dry. The dirt's cracked. It's barren. But then there's a gentle rain that comes through. softens the ground. Cools the soul. 
know what that is? That's God giving you a little bit of promise, a little bit of encouragement, maybe a little bit of chastening, saying, just break up that fallow ground. I gave you something, now do something with it. So instead of instead of molly grubbing all the time, when it rains, get out in it. Enjoy it. Bask in it. You ever had one of those thunders that seems like it just rolls on for minutes? Seems like it just shakes the house. Seems ominous, but there's something beautiful about it to me. And I, I know y'all science books probably tells you what makes thunder, but I've yet to figure it out. But there's just something. I remember being told as a kid that it was God going bowling. Y'all remember the goofy stuff we were told when we were kids? But there's something about that thunder. That lightning. Now I'm not going to tell you. I want to, I want to censor this right here. I'm not going to tell you if it's lightning to get out in the lightning. But from a safe distance, look at the beauty of the lightning. And tell me God isn't in control. Even, even when your ground is fallow, well, you could still find a blessing. Listen. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm trying to hurry. Don't know what time I got up here, but I'm going to try to hurry. Lift up the hands which hang down in the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. He talked about lifting up hands and knees. He talked about making the path straight. He said, don't, don't, don't let anybody around you be, be, th- th- those lame feet be turned out of the way. He says, follow peace, follow holiness. Make sure people can see the Lord. Look diligently. He said, unless you fail of the grace of God. But he says, if that root of bitterness comes up, he said, I'm going to warn you. He says right there at the end, many have been defiled. What does fallow ground produce? It produces thorns and thistles. It produces a root of bitterness. You ever heard that song, there's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place? That's one of the, I don't, I don't know if it has verses or not, I really don't, but I remember hearing it years and years ago. That chorus is kind of, Repeating, there's a sweet, sweet spirit. And if you're not careful, and I'll tell you, it goes back, it goes back to Hosea chapter 6 for me. It goes back, brother David, to that song you sang this morning, let those glad hosannas ring. If you, when you don't feel like it, just praise God. And when you've gotten done praising God, Miss Barbara, just praise Him a little bit more. If you ain't careful, God will get right there with you. And you won't really know what to do with it. He says, he says, be careful. That root of bitterness, it'll defile many. He said, don't let the root of bitterness defile. Oftentimes it lurks beneath the surface of our singing. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. There's a lot of saved men and women 
but they're bitter. And they can be easily offended. And they're quick, they're quick to cause division. And it's because of that root of bitterness. And let me go one step further. I'm going to try to help you. When I say a root of bitterness, I'm not just talking about in spiritual aspects of our lives. Well, I don't want to be bitter at the church. I don't want to be a cause of division at the church. What about your house? What about with your family? Don't let the bitterness of anything that's happened in your life cause division in your life with anybody. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And it'll destroy you. Everybody else around you is trying to figure out what in the, wrong, what in the world's going on. And you're the one that's bitter. And you're the one that's being eaten alive. Instead, give that root a bit. I tell you what, Brother Stanley, dig it up and throw it at the feet of Christ. Dig the whole thing up and give it to Christ. If you want to break off one little thing and give it to him, sure, go ahead. But it'd be a whole lot better if you just take the whole thing up and give it to the Lord. Don't let that root of bitterness. That's what fallow ground produces. It's often the result of apathy and laziness. I'll not turn to these just for sake of time. Judges chapter number 18, verse number 9. It tells us about those that are slow to obey God and, and, and those lazy Christians. And I have counted myself in that number a few times. Those lazy Christians, they are slow to obey God. Lazy Christians in Proverbs twelve twenty seven, they hold back from serving God. Lazy, we're talking about apathy and laziness being produced by fallow ground. The ground's too hard. There's no sense in me going working it. The ground has produced nothing the last several years. There's no sense in me. I'm just going to sit back here and I'm going to just wait. And this, man, I hear this all. I'm just going to wait for God to move. Really? Are you really? How about you get up and follow God and do what He said to do? In this case, He says, break up that fallow ground that's not produced anything in the last several years. In this case, He says, break up that fallow ground that's hard, that you can't seem to put a shovel through. You know, Brother brother John, have you ever tried to put a shovel in hard ground? What do you have to do? Uh, now, I... I I assume what you had to do was change tools. You had to put the shovel down, go get a pick, or go get a Maddox. You had to change tools. Every once in a while, we got to change tools. But every one of them can be found in God's Word and in the heart of a believer. In Ephesians chapter number five, chapter number six, rather, he says that he's given us an armor, he's given us a sword, he's given us a shield, he's given us a helmet, he's given us our loins are girded about with truth, he's given us feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. But in between those things, there's some there's some body parts that are not really covered. But we find throughout Scripture where God gives us a shield, but also a buckler, which is a small shield about the size of this offering. 
offering plate. Uh, that it doesn't, it's not very cumbersome, but what it is, Samuel, is it is to, to go into hand to hand battle and to block a punch or to block a small sword, if you will. How uh, then, uh, if, if you look over there in, uh, was it first Samuel chapter 14, chapter 17 about, uh, Goliath and David? It says that Goliath had, had, uh, greaves of brass upon his legs. Uh, those are those things that cover your sins from, from a low blow or from uh, some uh, attack, if you will. And I'm telling you, each one of those things has its own purpose. And every once in a while, uh, we're going to have to use the shield or we're going to have to use the helmet. There's an arrow coming in and hits us in the back of the head. But I'm glad it's the helmet of what? Salvation. It's the shield of faith. You've got your loins girded about with. I gave you some of these answers a minute ago. You got your, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You see, every single one of those things wants to assure you, wants to protect you. One is to help others shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. Sometimes we need to change tools, Brother John. We can't get that shovel in there. Change tools. I like going over to y'all's house because you got that big old orange tractor. And if you can't get something done right, you go change the attachment on it. And you put a backhoe attachment. He said that ground's too hard. The shovel won't do it. The Maddox won't do it. But I got a backhoe. Yeah, buddy. Sometimes let's break out the backhoe and break up this fallow ground. Number three, how do we break up this fallow ground? It can be broken up by God's word. It's a plow. If you'll get in God's word, if you'll get in the Bible, it'll begin to, they sing that song. Oh, no, I can't remember the name of the song. Lord, you're the best thing. They said, I, I, I'm, I'm the clay and you're the potter. And I've said this before, but I'm telling you, he, that, that, that potter don't just go out and find a lump of clay. He finds the right kind of clay. He's looking for something specific. But when he brings it in, Brother Jody, he's got to get any of those impurities out. And there's something when people sing that song, you're the father. That does something for me. Because I know my mom and I know my dad, they've, they've had to work some things out. You're the potter. I'm the clay. God's had to pull some things out. And sometimes it was painful. Sometimes it wasn't convenient. But I'm glad that God did it. And God's still doing it. Don't misunderstand. God's still getting those things that do not belong out of my life. And I'm thankful that He loves me enough to not write me off. I'm, Brother Kenny, I'm glad God is okay with dirty hands. Amen? He gets in there and He does that. You know how? His Word. His Word. It's like a plow in our life. It's as a mirror that enables us to see us as we are. I looked in the mirror this evening before church. Been trying to let my beard grow out. And I'm a little bit proud of it. I ain't shaved since September. This is all I got. Some of y'all make me mad. But David, you make me mad a little bit because you can stop shaving and you've got this much. It seems like in a week. And it just, 
There's that root of bitterness saying, Woo, dig it up, Lord, dig it up. But I, I went through and I put my comb through it and I, I put it down, everything. Everything looked good, what I thought. Driving to church, minding my own business, and Lori's like, you need to shave this. And I said, no. I said, everything's all right. She said, no, you need to shave that. I, said, I didn't say yes, ma'am, but my spirit did, so I guess I'll have to shave some of it. The Bible is a mirror that enables us to see ourselves. Y'all still with me? I just got a couple more things here. James chapter 1, verse 23. <clears throat> For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, he sees himself in this glass, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Understand that this word of God is not like a, a glass mirror. It goes a whole lot deeper than that. It, it will show you things in your life that needs to change that are a whole lot deeper than face value. Your brother, your mother, your wife, your neighbor, that they, that they may not be able to see those things. But God, through His Word, will show you things that you need to break up, that you need to get right. The Bible enables us to see ourselves, listen to this, as God sees us. I just want to, just, just real quick, fast in a hurry, I want you to see this. Romans. We mentioned the Romans road a minute ago. And, and I don't talk about the Romans road a whole lot. I, I guess I use it. But there's a lot more scriptures that can be used for salvation outside of, of the book of Romans. But I just want you to listen to this. And we'll say this statement again. The Bible enables us to see ourselves as God sees us. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 there is none righteous, no, not one. Chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore being, well, I guess we could say this. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's, here's the one that we normally go to. In verse number 8, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But then we go over to, to Romans chapter... I mean, Romans chapter 3, it, it painted a pretty dim picture. Romans chapter 5, it says God loves us even though we're a sinner, God loves us. But then here we go to chapter number 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death. Uh-oh. Here we go again. Well, I'm a sinner. If the penalty, the price of sin is death, then I must be dying. <laughs> but there is an ending of that verse. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Okay, now we got hope again. We're talking about that Bible enables us to see ourselves as, as God sees us. Then we go over to chapter number 10 and we see these scriptures that we mentioned that if thou shalt, verse number 9 of chapter 10, shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him should not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm telling you what, if you get in the Word, you'll, as a sinner, you will see yourself as a sinner. There's, there's no other way. There's no other way to see yourself except as a sinner, because that's how God sees you. But then, all of a sudden, you get saved, and you trust in those words, and then you see yourselves there in verse number 1. You see yourselves in, what is it, 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, is it? I can't remember. Let's see if I can go over there. Maybe they hadn't moved it on me. Uh, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You see, even though uh, now you're saved and you know that you are a sinner, now you can look back on all of the things that you once were, but now you are some things in Christ. There's positional truths that we find in God's Word and, and it enables us to see ourselves as God is. It can be broken up by repentance. This fallow ground can be broken up by repentance. If you're here tonight and you've got fallow ground in your heart, you've just been going through the motions. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you this again, you can get backslid standing in a pulpit or in the back row. Don't let anybody tell you you can. You can do it. You can get it, you can singing, playing, preaching, teaching, whatever it may be. If you ain't careful, you will find yourself there. But honey, tonight, if you've got fallow ground in your life, the very first thing to do is go to God and repent of allowing it to be fallow. See, that fallow ground didn't get hard all by itself. It got hard because you quit plowing. It got hard because You quit taking care of it. It can be broken up by humility and prayer. I don't use this scripture a lot because of the context of of the whole passage, but but I think you'd you'd get this. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Samuel mentioned it this morning. He says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. If you want to break up that fallow ground, it can be broken up by repentance. But it can be broken up by humility and by prayer. Go to God. If things aren't the way it needs to be, Tonight be a good night for you to rededicate your life to God. Nothing wrong with it. No shame in it. I said there's no shame in rededicating your life to God. Next year will be 20 years. Lori and I have been married. And I've, I've thought about, I thought about doing it on our 15th wedding anniversary and we didn't do it. But I thought about renewing our vows. You know what that is? Rededicating our vows to one another. It'd be alright just to get up real, mm, 
<laughs> It'd be good to get up real close to the Lord and say, God, I just, I just want to remind you that I love you. I know I haven't been the bride that you want me to be. I know I've failed a lot of times. I know that I've not done some things you've asked me to do. I know sometimes I'm slow and, and I don't obey quite as quick as I should. But God, I do want you to know I love you. And God, I do want you to know that I'm not going to turn my back on you. And God, I do want you to know that I appreciate the sacrifice that you've given. God, I love you so much. It might be good for us just to get in this altar tonight and rededicate our lives to God and tell Him we love Him again. Not just in words, but in deeds as well. I ask you tonight, what is it going to take for you? The question in my notes is, what is it going to take for you to break up your fallow ground? But I think we need to go back just a little bit. What's it going to take for you to recognize that there's fallow ground in your life? You might just have one little spot of your life that's fallow. You've closed the door on that thing and you you won't let anybody in. You say, God, you can have everything else, but that, that's mine. That's what God wants. You might have acres after acres of your life that's closed off to God, but you're going to have to recognize that it is. You're going to have to recognize tonight. We had a wonderful service this morning. We were high. We were lifted up. We were lifting up the, 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 the Lord this morning. Everything was great. But tonight, I want to remind you, We have some good times and we can go back to those things. But our fallow ground affects more than just our private lives or our family's life. Our fallow ground will affect your church life. Our fallow ground will affect your worship, your prayer life, your reading. It will affect it all. You're going to have to break it up. But before you can break it up, you've got to realize that it's in your life. I encourage you to do that. If we can get a song of invitation. <clears throat> some, some folks, they're hoping to reap the harvest of somebody else's labor. Somebody else has been out there and they've plowed and they've sweat and they've toiled over things and you're hoping that you can just get by on the skin of your teeth. But can I tell you tonight, it's going to take some plowing of your own. It's going to take you to get in those secret places that nobody else has seen. Possibly nobody else knows you have. Get in there and plow it up. It was that Brother David's the other night and he was talking about he's got a little some antiques in his garage out there. And there was an old horseshoe and I just kind of grabbed it and looked at it. He said, that came off the farm here. Don't know how old it was. But he says some time ago we were out there preparing a food plot. We walked in and we were picking out those sticks. Did you hear that? They had plowed, Brother Jody. Had to go. It's plowed. That fallow ground's broken up. Now you got to get those things that don't belong. Those rocks, those sticks. He said we were picking up all those and we were throwing them to the side. He said we found that horseshoe. Somebody, some years ago, their horse threw a shoe, lost a shoe, whatever it was. He's got that as a little memento of the history of that property. We might need to get in our field tonight, break up all that ground, then spend some time going through our lives say, this doesn't belong. This doesn't belong. 
And every once in a while, you may find a little memento in your life. And God may allow you to put it aside. May allow you to look at it every once in a while. Say, look at the history. Oh, my. Look at the history of your life. You remember when you got saved? You remember when this plot of land was planted? You remember all the harvest that God gave you off of this land? Every once in a while, you just look back and you see the blessings of God. But if we're not careful, we'll leave that ground fallow. And we, we will become bitter towards God about that fallow ground in our life that He had nothing to do with. It's because we dropped the plow. It's because we quit working on it. Dear Father in heaven, we love you. We pray now that you'd take us into your care. We pray that you'd help this message to touch some heart. God, my heart, God, for weeks have been pondering this message. <laughs> and God, you've convicted me. And God, I ask you to do the same for your people tonight. Have your will. God, let us break up some things in our life so that we can plant and so that we can reap and we can see a great harvest. God, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.